Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam. We are five years into making this podcast that we love so much called Brown Ambition, and we could not do it without you. We've gone from me and Tiffany sneaking around my old office building, trying to find places to record. And thanks to you guys, we now have 100,000 downloads per month for this little show called Brown Ambition. We would love to ask y'all for a small favor as fans of the show. Tiffany, what are we looking for? Here's what we'd love from you guys. We already have over a thousand reviews and a five-star rating on iTunes, but you know what's better than a thousand reviews? 2,000 reviews. If you could head on over to iTunes, go to our Brown Ambition page, scroll on down to the bottom, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating and a review. So subscribe, rate, review. Not too much to ask, right? Easy peasy. We love you guys. And thank you so much for making Brown Ambition what it is. The last five years have been amazing. And it's all thanks to you. Hey, Mandra. Hey, happy Brown Ambition Monday or Wednesday. Yes. When do we tape? When do we record? It's all blurring together. I know. It is all a blur. How are ya? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm technically on vacation this week. Mm -hmm. And by technically, I mean I put on my vacation responding email, out of office email, but then I accidentally answered some emails today because they seemed really important. I'm kind of, I'm struggling to unplug, but I'm going to... It's only Monday. I have the whole week to like get my act together and relax, right? Yeah. I'm trying. It's so hard. <laughs> I was having a good Monday, but then everybody's favorite bonus baby, Supergirl, tried it today. <laughs> so, so what BA, did she do? Well, so Supergirl, um, I guess she's like feeling herself. She's 13 now. And for those who don't know, I call my husband Superman and our, my bonus daughter, my stepdaughter, Supergirl. Um, and so... I mean, it's been good. Remember earlier, if you listen to any earlier um, Brown Ambition episodes, you know, there was a bit of a power struggle when he and I got together and got married. <laughs> yeah, when but you I, got married, when you got married. Yeah, I we got married, yes. That. So cute. <laughs> so, but since then, it's been so great. I thought everything was amazing. Oh, no, no. So today, um, I guess her mom must have come to pick her up. And um, I went to the hallway and I see a note on her door. Not just a note, like a piece of construction paper like nicely drawn out and like it literally says <clears throat> do not not is outlined in red do not enter please exclamation blinds are already drawn already drawn is is squiggly lines all green squiggly lines around it 
because I will go into her room to open up the blinds when she's not here. You know, let some air and things. So, mm-hmm. do not enter, please. Blinds are already drawn. Who? This is the kicker. If you need underline, underline, underneath to get in contact with me <laughs> or my mom, contact with me or my mom. Underline, underline. Thank you, Supergirl. This girl told me that while she's not here, don't go in her room. And if you have to go in my room, make sure you call me and my mother. When I tell you the oh. way that that sign came down and was ripped in half. So I, I, I took a picture of it. I sent it to Superman. Of course, he was, you know, equally as angry. And then I sent it to her mother because I tried to call her, but I forgot that... um. She was acting up last night, so we took her her cell phone, you know. That's that's why. Because I was like, she just got here. She's leaving? Oh, that's right. She's pissed at her father for taking her cell phone. So I guess that was mm-hmm. her way of being like, y'all don't, you know, don't come into my personal space. But the one of the reasons why, I mean, first of all, one, I can go anywhere in this house, obviously. But I only ever go into her room, really, to turn off all the lights and the fans and all the things that she leaves on whenever she goes, like, to her mom's house. So I guess she's like, because I heard her telling her dad once, like, does anybody go in my room when I'm away? And I'm like, well, girl, if you turned off lights and fans, I wouldn't have to go in there. And secondly, I can go anywhere. So that's what I told her. So I sent a screenshot to her mom and said, can you please have her call me when she gets a chance? And when I tell you, I'm not a voice phraser. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not really a fusser, a custer, none of that. I like, I taught preschool for 10 years. So there's like nothing I haven't seen. I mean, kids have spit on me, literally tried to knock me out using their big noggins. I mean, I've been through it all. <laughs> So I usually have like a lot of patience and I can honestly say this is probably only the second time that I've used elevated volume. That's what I'll say with her. Um, once when she was like six and she was angry because we didn't get her something from Marshall's and she ran into the street and almost got hit by a car. So oh that my was, God. Mm-hmm, so that was the only other time. Cause <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not really, ready. I know I was not really, I'm not really a yeller, but when I tell you, I'm not to say I yell, but I was like, ring, ring, ring. So she called me. Hello. I said, hi. I was waiting to like a heart, like I gave her a little, Beat to see if she was going to apologize. I said, I saw your sign. She was like, mm-hmm. I said, well, let me tell you, it's the height of disrespect. And she was quiet like, what? I said, one, you don't get to tell two people who pay the bills in this house where they cannot, cannot go. That's one. Two, you don't instruct me or your father to not go in your room unless we ask you or your mother. I said, because I knew her mother was listening. I said, as, as much as I like your mother... She has no agency here. She doesn't get to decide in my house where I can go. Just like I can't tell you in your mother's house where she can go. Doesn't that sound crazy? If you were to tell your mom, hey, don't come in my room unless you ask Tiffany, it sounds crazy, right? Because it is. And I was like, the tone I'm using now, right now, Mandy, this is a way calmer tone because I was not. I'm like stressed out. <laughs> I was not calm. I was like, what in the world? When I tell you, I was livid. Because I'm like, you're going to tell me I can't come into this room unless I call you or your mom? What in the, have you Did lost you tell her you're going to take the door off the hinges? Ooh, that was girl, my you parents' know, I was favorite that line. Close. No, what I did instead was like, which is not my proudest moment, but whatever. So I made sure she could hear my footsteps. I said, you hear these footsteps? I'm walking into your room. I'm in here now. Now what? Oh, <laughs> Tiffany got a little petty. <laughs> I, did. I did. And Ooh. I'm both ashamed and I don't care. Because I was like, how you going to tell me? I was like, girl, I can, I can sleep in this bed. And I didn't tell her that, but I was thinking to myself, I can sleep in this bed if I wanted to. I, like, I just couldn't believe that, like, it's one thing to say, hey, Tiffany, you know, um, you know, I, you know, even if she would have asked me, like, you know, please don't go in my room. I'd be like, girl, I'm going to my your room if I want to. 
I'm like, I make it a habit. Obviously, I knock if she's home to make sure. But typically, I just go in that room to air it out because you know kids are so stink. But I. I told her, I said, parents can always go and should always go in their children's room. I said, because we are doing so to make sure that you are safe and that no one is harming you or that you're not harming yourself. So there is no, there's never a, a time when your father and I will not go in your room freely because that is our job to make sure that you're safe. So that's first and foremost. And second of all, you don't pay a bill in this house. So you don't own anything here. You don't get to tell adults where to go. And and because my um um uh, Superman and I, the whole third floor is our floor because it's like it's like a suite or whatever. And so she has this thing where she'll just come up because we haven't bought um we have a washer dryer on the third floor. We haven't bought one for the basement yet. So she'll come up to do laundry. I was like, aren't you the same person who I have to keep reminding that before you come up to the third floor to knock? You know, I was like, so you're asking for like whatever this is, but you don't even give that to us. You just come upstairs with wild abandon. And then I said, the fact that you have not apologized speaks volumes. I was like, honestly, I told her once I stopped being like mad, I said, you know, I'm really um, disappointed. I said, mm. she's like, fine, sorry. I said, no, 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 you're not sorry. And that's okay if that's how you feel. But I said, when you do something wrong, because she always complains that her dad apologizes so much. Um, I said, you always tell me, they're like, oh, daddy apologizes too much. And I said, that's a, him apologizing is a indication of someone of good character. And that's what I told her. I said, when you're wrong and you're confronted with your mistake and you realize that you're wrong, it is your job to make that thing right and to apologize sincerely. And the fact that you haven't is very disappointing. And I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of the way you're behaving. And that's what I could tell she was like, oh, man. At least that's what I think. Who knows? She might be like, forget you, Tiffany. Who knows? But I just was One like. Um, I just need to take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just said, I just was just like, yeah. I just, you know, I, and honestly, I was. I was really, because mm-hmm. when I tell you, literally, this is the first time other than that time when she was like seven and ran in the street that I've ever used elevated an elevated tone. I'm usually pretty chill. Like, you know, I'm. I know how to can check a kid without like, you know, raising my tone. But I just was like, when I tell you, I was like hot all over. I just wish, I'm going to text you the, the sign. When I read not underscore underscore, I just, uh, I was like, who, who, who are you talking to in my house where I pay bills? You know? Yeah. And, yeah it's I told really you. hard for me because honestly, I was such a bratty teenager. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you it gets worse. <laughs> Oh, Tiffany, I, I, to this day, the day that lives in infamy in my house is, I don't even know what my mom and I fought about, but I stormed into my bedroom, locked the door, and it's one of those flimsy doorknobs with like, you know, you can get like a penny or a nickel or something and pop the lock open. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, oh, hell no, you're not going to lock your door in my house. We're still having this argument. And I'm in there and I blast, you know, a big ass boom, uh, what do you call those big radios used to boom have box. like boomba mm-hmm. uh with the cd tower and all that and the five cd changer not to flex but anyway <laughs> and i put on pink pink's album misunderstood and no, i you didn't. oh absolutely absolutely and i put on um just like a pill and i just played the entire album on full full blast and i put my hand on the knob and twisted it so my mom even though she was trying to oh like get the little gosh. lock to pop open with like whatever she had in there, like a butter knife or a quarter or whatever she had she could not get in and we just, <laughs> and she, a poor mom i just oh. all night it was a huge standoff 
It was like a hostage negotiation. I thought you were gonna say it gets better. You're like it gets worse. Nah, and that, and I wasn't even the kind of kid who. I mean, whatever. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Supergirl's not like some old. You know, I mean, as far as kids go, she's a good kid. Like, I mean, are there like you know definitely attitude issues? Yeah, but like it's not like she's drinking on the corner, you know. But it's just that kind of thing where you know she has a thing about like not apologizing, and there's definitely like undertones of disrespect, but. I told Superman he was giddy because he always tells me that, like, you know, he's like, you never um pop off, you know, because I'm always like, well, you know, I'm pretty calm. I'm like, well, you oh, know, so he's like part. behind you hyping you up. What? He was so geek because he always feels like he's the bad guy. And I'm always like, well, let's talk about it. Mm. All right. Let's, you know, Tom, let's be calm. Let's remain calm. So this is like, you know, the one time he was like, oh, snap, Tiffany snapped. I was like. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I said it to you. I don't know if you have your phone on, but I sent you so you can see for your own eyes, just like the level of, and so the, the, she, this one is really smart. The, the, uh, uh Supergirl slick. So she tried to say, no, I just put that sign up there because I'm, I'm redesigning my room and I wanted to do a reveal and didn't want you to see it yet. I said, girl, yeah. if you don't stop with your, girl, you tried it. <laughs> you tried and failed. Just say, I'm sorry. I was being a brat. Did you get a chance to take a look? It's just. Hold on. I'm taking my phone off of airplane mode. Don't hurt me, Kelly. There's a little beeping sound. Oh, I didn't get it yet. Come through. Come through. <laughs> well, I feel like teenagers, it's all about wanting to define yourself yes. and your territory. And it's just something about that stage. You just don't want anything to be associated with your parents. You want to carve out your own identity. And that room... I remember that feeling. I remember that feeling of like, this is my space. And I basically wanted to piss over everything. So I put like collages on the wall and wrote on things and just made it my own, even though you're right. I think it was Will Smith. And this always stuck with me years ago. Maybe he was on Oprah or when she used to have a TV show. And he was talking about how he told his kids, you are living in my house for free. Yes. You're basically a squatter. Yes. You maybe have squatters rights. This is my room. This is not your room. It's my room and this and that and this and that. And I'm like, man, with that discipline, his kids t- turned out a little funky. But yeah. anyway, that always stuck with me, that idea. I remember being terrified of it. I was like, let my mom, let me turn this off for my mommy here. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I didn't even know what, yeah, I definitely was like, no, the only two adults that pay bills in this house are your father and I. So I, I think that that, I think the part that really, I guess, pissed me off the most was I would have been like regular angry just to see the note, like, please don't come in my room. I'd have been like, girl, you tried it. And I honestly just would have said, Alyssa, you tried it. I'm, you know, I'm going to come in this room. But it was the part where she was said that in order for me to come in her room, I had to contact her and her mother. Uh, yeah, you know, did her mom know about that? No, 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 of course not. Because honestly, oh, okay. me and her mom are super cool. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't seem like based yeah, yeah, on no, what no. I've heard about y'all's relationship. Yeah, mm. no, she's super cool. But that part is like the part that like she thought that I was going to ask an adult that does not live here or pay bills here mm. about agency in my own house, like where I could go. I'm like, I said, picture that, girl. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, child. So any of y'all have teenagers, because I'm just entering into... I mean, although I feel like she gave us pre-teenage angst, but now we're entering to real teenage zone. If you have any suggestions for me, I don't even, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I got a long road ahead. Certainly, uh, IG message me, you know, tweet me, the budgetista. I don't know. Like, what are some things that worked? What are some things that didn't work? Am I just going to be like, girl, buckle up for the ride? This is what it looks like now? I mean, I don't even know, honestly. I'm just... 
And I usually like I tell it does it takes a lot to get me like angry. But when I I was almost I was like, okay, Tiffany, don't call right now because you are I was baking hot. And I was just like, and even like I said, I knew I wasn't gonna like cuss her, like, you know, because I just don't. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to use a tone that was um really like, you know, harsh. And I, but I felt like, you know, it was enough to let her know. And I told her, I didn't call you for your apology because I know you don't feel sorry. I call for clarity. Are we clear? She was like, yes. I said, okay, bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I feel like kids keep you sharp, though. My debate skills are going to be on. <laughs> yes. They do keep you sharp. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so that's my day. <laughs> that's your day. Well, I have to, I, I, I last week we talked about what's happening with the next um, stimulus check proposal. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what we can call it, but it's another relief package. Basically, everyone's waiting because those that extra six hundred dollars per week that the federal government was financing for people who are unemployed still tens of millions of people are unemployed, which is bizarre. To it's just such a huge number. There's so much strife going on right now, and of course, in Congress, the good news is that Republicans do seem like they're amenable to the idea of extending that extra federal unemployment benefit to unemployed people, but. It may go down from six hundred dollars to two hundred dollars. People like Mitch McConnell and his and his his lackeys they hate the idea of people like. And my dad has even said this. My dad is a public but uh, public city bus driver in Atlanta. He and I think he earned something like it was a, less than twenty dollars an hour. My dad earned, mm. and it's true with the extra stimulus bill. He's not. He's doing better than he would have been. Um, a little bit better than he would have been if he had been working his regular hours doing his job. And that is what really gets Republicans pissed off. The idea that this is disincentivizing work in their opinion. And I'm just like, my dad and I are laughing because I'm like, you're not at the, you're not at like a casino gambling away your money. Like, okay. So you have a little bit extra money to put in your emergency fund or, you know, for groceries or whatnot. But it, it like at, Republicans are actively trying to keep people under financial insecurity. That's that's genuinely what they're working towards. And it's just kind of astounding to me. And it's, I, I don't know what it is, you know, and I was telling my dad, I'm like, if, the, if you want more proof that America needs to pay people more and raise minimum wage, which in the state of Georgia is still ridiculously low, it's like $7 or less than that even. It's the fact that people are doing better unemployed than they were when they had jobs. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. But wanted to give y'all the latest. If you're still, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, uh, we're taping a couple days early. So um, it may not be exactly what's happening, but I'm watching it closely and I'm I'm very curious to see what they end up doing. And especially for small businesses, because you have states that are now reclosing or scaling. Didn't they scale back the opening in, yes, in Jersey? Yes, for many states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it just seems like it seems like people's minds have maybe moved forward, but nothing has exactly changed, um, you know, in the climate of the pandemic and the economic crisis. And we we genuinely just need government to work for us. And you know, it's a hundred days till the election, about a hundred days till the presidential election. So mm. if y'all are not feeling the way this whole situation is working out, please vote. Please yes. vote. Put on a mask and vote. Actually, Stacey Abrams, my um, my favorite from my fave from Georgia, she's become uh, she's actually in the running for Joe Biden's vice presidential candidate. But anyway, she when she lost the gov- gubernatorial race in Georgia, she created this fair fight action um, organization because the reason, one of the many reasons, um, 
she, uh, well, not the many reasons that she lost the election, because um, it was a very, very tight election. And Stacey Abrams had made it her life work basically to expose the way that governments, state governments, um, the parties in power are trying to diminish the power of people's rights to vote, especially black and brown people, because they know when we come out to vote, it's usually not in their favor. So her her organization, they have this mask that just says vote. It's a bright purple mask and it has a vote on the front. And I love this because even in states where they are, because, you know, right now, have you heard all the debating about should people be allowed to do mail-in ballots? You know, is there any way that we can create a safe voting environment? Because, you know, people are genuinely worried about catching COVID, waiting in yeah. line, you know, for elections. And when you factor in the social distancing, I mean, those little polling booths where you go to vote, I mean, those are just yes. little cesspools, I imagine, uh, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But, in, and that's scary because you want people to go and vote. It's, it's never been, the stakes have never been higher. And yet I think that's what the party in power is hoping is that people will be dissuaded from going, wait, how did I say that? Dissuaded from going to vote. And so Stacey's creation of that mask which you can check out, post a link in the show notes, because I think some of the proceeds go toward her organization and voters' rights. But yeah, that mask is just like saying, okay, we know it's scary out there, but let's do it anyway. We have to vote. Yeah, we ha- we literally, our lives depend on it. Absolutely. We're, like literally there are people who voted for the current administration and they're like, oh my God, what's the worst that can happen? Literally, this is this is the worst that can happen. We're here now. Pandemic, quarantine, death, destruction, civil unrest. Like we are in the worst case scenario. So your vote, your vote created an environment for for this to be. For those of you who voted for the current administration, I will not name that person that leads the current administration. He does not He who it. must not be named. Exactly. But yeah. um I mean we can maybe share this for for our questions, but my mom asked me a question today and I thought we should address it. So maybe we'll save it for the the question segment. Wait, a special question from Mama Alicia? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I'm all here for it. All right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to answer your questions, guys. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for sending us your questions. Again, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Brown Ambition Podcast or hit us up by email. We are Brown Ambition Podcast at gmail.com. Dot com. 
Before we get to Mama Liche's question now, mm-hmm. which I'm very curious about, I want to read, last week we asked some of you guys if your parents or you have children that you're taking care of at this time. Many of you, uh, like I and Tiffany, you know, we're working, taking care of children, <laughs> taking care of ungrateful children. Um <laughs> And juggling that with our full-time jobs, and I wanted to kind of hear, we wanted to hear from you guys and see how you're dealing with it. And I just wanted to share a note from, we got several um, responses, so thank y'all. This comes from listener Ellen, and Ellen says, I have an 11-month-year-old. I start work next week from being on maternity leave for the school year because I'm a school counselor. Not only do I have to worry about what distance learning is going to look like, I also have to worry about finding childcare for my son. COVID-19 has me scared as all hell, but a nanny is too damn expensive. I live in the Bay Area and paying a nanny a living wage full-time is almost the amount of my take-home pay. Childcare is scary because you are exposing your kid to more people but it's what I can afford and what we had planned on doing before the pandemic. Mom guilt right now is settling in real hard. And just hearing Mandy ask about what people are doing for childcare made me feel less alone. I know I can't work from home without some kind of childcare. So I just cross my fingers and pray that my son will stay healthy. Thank you. Mm. We feel for you, Ellen. I mean, that's the sad truth. There's no answer. It's just, it's hard decision, hard decision, hard decision. Pick a door, (laughs) you know, pick a door and walk through it. Yeah. And the fact that schools are asking teachers to come back. When Ugh. you worked at that daycare, was that private or public? That was private. It was a nonprofit. So, but I wonder what's it like, even for a private. I mean, I know you haven't worked in that in in a daycare for a long time, but do you have a choice? I mean, when they say come in, I mean, you can choose not to come in, right? But it's probably a choice between getting a paycheck and not. And that's literally what it is. Because there'd be moments, like for example, like just say something as benign as a snow day where like the snow would be pretty bad. And we as teachers were like, well, this is not fair because for example, typically they don't call a snow day until like like eight or nine, but I um, used to have to go to work by seven. So if you're gonna say, oh, schools are closed and you tell parents by nine, what would happen is I would go to work by seven, people drop their kids off by seven, they close schools by nine and some parents wouldn't get there until like one, two, three, you know? Mm-hmm. so. It was hard because it's like, do you not go and not get paid? Because when they tell you it's open, it's open and you not going. I mean, you could use a sick day if you have it, but then sometimes you would get in trouble because you can, it's like a no call, no show. So it's just, it's not easy for teachers just not to show up. That's why, you know, hopefully more um, there are teachers who are in unions and then the union can help force the hand of some of the um, the towns that might be trying to force teachers to go. Uh, because you yourself individually, it's going to be hard for 10 teachers to say that because they have families as well. So it's like, do I put mm-hmm. my family at risk one way or the other by not having enough money to support them or me potentially getting sick? And I, I hope that parents, you know, I, I don't have a school age child, but I have I am a part of the local moms of, you know, insert city name here, uh, <laughs> Facebook group. And this one mom got, you know. One of, she was posting and venting about the quality of distance learning at the school that she goes to and how she's thinking about going private because it's been so bad. And I mean, she was she was just dumped on and dragged, but you have to give, you have to understand the other side. It's not like you as parents, yes, I mean, schools are so crucial and you know now we're really realizing the value of them, which is sad. Teachers in schools, I mean, they offer childcare, they offer learning. I mean, they're so crucial to the fabric of our 
of, of, of society and 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 our you know children's development. But they also are dealing with this pandemic. They are humans yes. too, and I think we just need. To, and they also have children. Know, many of learning them. is new to them. They have yes. kids at home, and they're trying to teach your kids. And like, imagine you being home with your kid and having to not just take like figure out childcare, but like teach your kid, like teach other kids kids, um, <laughs> or teach other parents kids. It's 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 such a difficult situation, and I just think we just need we have to lower the expectation for twenty twenty. Okay, listen. We just, it's just not going to be like it was before. It's not going to be as good. We've just got to, we've got to create a new measuring stick for situations and for people and services and just relax a little and give people, like, we just need empathy. I talked about empathy last week. I just wish empathy, empathy, empathy. Stop yourself from judging or writing a terrible review or complaining about someone else and just ask yourself, what is their situation? What might they be going through right now in these crazy times and pause before you judge try to at least yeah <sighs> now more than ever empathy is it's critically important because you're going to need it as well so are you ready for mama Aliche's um question i can't wait mama Aliche. so remind me again is she she's retired right does she retire yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. she's, she's right. a nurse well she was a, a nurse um she was a hospital nurse and then became a school nurse and then not last year, but a year before last, she retired. So just in time because sheesh. so she called me and was like, hey, daughter. I was like, hello, mother. Hello. She, was like, <laughs> she said, so I have a leased car. Um, she's like, I'm barely driving it, but I think it doesn't make sense to continue with the lease. Wouldn't it be better if I just purchased the car instead? And so once she asked me, you know, like, should I get my financing through like the car company. She has a Toyota or like a RAV4. Um, and oh, I so said, wait a second. So she has been leasing and she wants mm-hmm. to purchase it? Yes. She wants okay. to purchase that lease car. So, How long has she had her lease? Uh, I believe, I want to say she's had that lease for a while. I, oh, you know what? I believe the lease is up. Uh, so okay. that's what, mm-hmm. so she's at the end. So maybe like, uh, I want to say between three and five years because she basically okay. said, I have to make the choice this week. So that let me know that the lease is basically up and she has to decide. She said, that she's severely under her miles. So I think like, you know, they give them like, I don't know, like what do they usually give them? Like 3,600 miles or something like 36,000 miles. 36,000. Yeah. And she said that she's been averaging like 10,000 miles a year. So it's like, yikes, she barely uses it. Um, And she's just like, but she doesn't want a car, but she doesn't want to, you know, pay for a lease um, that she's not going to be using those miles, but they have to have a car in the house, obviously. So, one, I was like, okay, well, if you're going to do so, well, one, I wanted to address like whether or not you should even, you know, like whether you should purchase your lease. And here are some like kind of like things I told her. I was like, well, if you're way under or way over, um, it might make sense. So if you're for my mom, she's way under, right? And mm-hmm. so as a result, she's actually leaving value on the table because, you know, she paid for, for 36000 and she's used one third of that. Or if you're way over, like I remember when I was uh, in college, my dad got um, my sisters and I a truck that we all shared, at least like it was like a Pathfinder. And whew, child, that Pathfinder saw every corner of this place. <laughs> I mean, you know, the number of miles we put on that thing. They were like, did you take this overseas? Um, so way over, you might want to um, purchase the car to offset, um, you know, the miles that you're that, that you've put on. So, you know, you, you don't want to leave uh, money on the table by like, cause, because you use too little and then you don't want to have to pay these extra fees because you use too much. So that's one. 
um, one indication of maybe a, buying your lease might be a good idea. Also, too, if you had a lot of like excess wear and tear, um, because like, like my mom's car is like in pristine condition. But let's just say, you know, you lease the car for your kid and they kind of tore it up and you know the penalties are going to be crazy. So you're like, you know what? We might as well just buy the car because by the time we paid these penalties, we might as well have bought the car anyway. Now, the only caveat and the biggest caveat is that um, what are they going to, and that's what, this is what I'm going to help. My mom is a really good negotiator. So I've gotten my negotiating skills from her. She learned her negotiating skills in the marketplace in Nigeria, no place better. So I'm going to tell her that don't let them try to sell you the car at retail price because the leasing company, they're going to save money on shipping and auction fees. So they need to be passing on that to you and to try to aim for her to buy it wholesale. And on top of that, like literally, um, leasing companies, their number one buyers are these um, like Hertz and these rental car companies that are not buying cars because people are not renting cars and people are not buying as many cars. So she Very should be able to get points. Mm-hmm. Point. So she should be leaning. She should go hard. And like I said, my mom's an excellent they negotiator. Need her. Exactly. And her, her. So one thing she did ask me is, she's like, should I refinance or should I get the lease and get financing through the um, through like Toyota? I said, absolutely not. And I said, not even your big bank. I told her to go to a credit union because credit unions are typically um, nonprofit-based organizations, meaning that the interest that they're charging you is moderate in comparison to like a big bank because their aim is not to make money off of, you know, that interest. It's to keep the doors open because that's what literally nonprofits are. Their aim is not to make a profit, but to help the community. So I told her, and there are many credit unions that she can join today and apply today. And her, she was just asking me about where she should get her, um, I told her she should know her credit score because a credit union is going to ask for it so she could start shopping around. And she was like, okay, I told her like to go to creditscorecard.com. And she said, did they ask for your social security number? I didn't remember that they did. I told her, no, <sighs> of course they do. And now she's like, I don't want to give it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> ma'am. Um, so yes, I mean- A distrust. I, I, yes, and I can understand that. But you're, wherever you go, they're going to pull your credit score. So it's just, it is what it is. Like they're going to, I told her- Mommy, when's the last time you borrowed any money? They, of course, they're going to ask you for your, not only your credit score, but they're going to ask you for your social security number when you borrow money. They need to attach that debt to you should you run away with it. And she was like, mm. I was like, this woman. So, yeah. So if you're thinking about purchasing your lease, actually, typically, I would say it's not the greatest idea because it's very difficult to negotiate them down sometimes um, to get them down to as close to wholesale pricing as possible. But now more than ever, you know, if you got, you know, if you're a good negotiator, you can certainly get a great deal um, on your, on your lease if you want to purchase it. That's good to know because husband tricked me into getting a lease right before I gave birth. He caught me in a real, he caught me in a really like blue, blue mood and took me lease shopping like a week before I went into labor. Anyway, now we have a, a second car. Our first car is paid off, but now we have a second car with a really cheap lease, but still we do, we ended up not needing that second car, obviously in the pandemic. And I'm just like, damn it, 36 more months with this thing. <laughs> That's okay. Um, live and learn. Well, I yeah. hope mama, do you feel like your parents listen to your advice? Did they ask you just so they can contradict you like my dad does? And no. So like, I feel like my mom listens and my dad to a certain degree, but my dad's like, girl, with my whole degree in finance and economics and my BA and um, my, um, my MBA in economics, cute, but who taught you? 
Um, so I feel like my dad kind of listens, but my mom more so listens. So as soon as we hang up, I'm going to like remind her, like, mommy, activate Nigerian market uh, negotiating skills. She's like, oh, you ain't say nothing but a word. <laughs> like my mom is, the, <laughs> I'm telling you, when whenever we had to like go to get something, I would call her and be like, mommy, can you come? They're not trying to give me this. Oh, I'll be there. Let me put my, let me put my pants on. What? She lives for negotiating. So when I tell her that she should negotiate, she's going to be like, oh, yes. <laughs> Like my dad always says, he's like, your mom is better than me at negotiating. Like, so like, but it's commonplace. Like, you know, you go to the marketplace, it's it's a, the marketplace in Nigeria. So many women are the ones who are buying and selling, uh, trading goods and services. So, so yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm I'll tell you, give, give you guys the updates of, if, you know, what she was able to do. Did she get her, her loan through a credit union? And was she able to get the price down? Um, which I'm sure she would, she would, she will be able to. So. Love it. On another episode, not today, because we're yeah. almost done, but um, I've got to tell you about my dad's mortgage. I found out something interesting about how he has a private mortgage today, mm. which I didn't know was a thing. He lended, he bought, he his mortgage is through a person, not okay. through a bank. Okay. And I'm fascinated. And I looked into it and it's legit. Yeah. I even talked to the guy today and I'm like, yes, excuse me, Mr. John, you owe my, <laughs> you have my dad's mortgage? He's like, <laughs> yes, I've yeah. heard of that, yes. Anyway, all right. Um, well, thank you, Mama Liche, for your question. Let's take a, another quick one. This one comes from Instagram from a new listener named Kristen. Kristen says, hey, I listened to your podcast called Are You Really an Ally? And I loved it. Question for both of you on suggestions for recruiting. Oh, so on this episode, a few episodes ago, we, we, we talked about allyship, especially from an employer uh, in, a, in a business perspective, because so many companies are coming out and saying they really value inclusivity and stuff. All right. So Christian says, Kristen says, how do you make your recruiting inclusive? Obviously the training around biases and interviewing is important, but I'm wondering how to cast a wider net. I'm currently recruiting for a board I sit on. We have a diverse staff and a somewhat diverse board, but I wondered if you had any suggestions on inclusive recruiting. Tiffany, where do you go to find all the talented people? Well, um, diverse people of your business. To be fair, it's it's I I typically recruit for my audience, so I feel like it's not really in alignment with how y'all would recruit. Um, meaning, so it's like I serve Black women for the most most part. Like, you know, my core audience is Black women, although we don't turn anyone away, and we definitely have seen an uptick in like other types of women and and even some men. Um, but that's my core audience. I'm a Black woman, and that's who listens. So whenever I'm looking for something or someone. I will go to the audience and say, hey, we are looking to hire dot, dot, dot. And, um, you know, when they email, I don't know their race, but because my audience is largely Black women, that will be like 95% of the um, resumes and, and things that we'll get. Um, but I will say that I am more intentional. Like now I have a potential show, um, TV show on the table. And so I was, I'm interviewing for entertainment attorneys right now. And I reached out to my friends who are in the entertainment business. And I specifically said, hey, I would like to be represented by a black woman. I want someone who, because I've had representation in the past. And I want someone who understands why I don't want to do certain things and won't even bring them to my table. Like I've had folks who are like, like I always say that um, prepaid cards are all the malt liquor of financial, um, uh, financial. I don't even know, tools products. or financial, yeah, products, right? People are like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, malt liquor is alcohol that is especially egregious for the body. 
Um, it's really piss poor alcohol. And it is pushed to black and brown communities and communities um, that don't have access to like wealth. And so that's what p- prepaid cards are. That it is a terrible, for the 99% of them are terrible because their fee, like, yo, prepaid cards will charge you to think. They're going to charge you to open it, charge you to close it, charge you to load it, charge you to, to, to swipe it, charge you to, if you have a, um, a transaction canceled, they charge you for so much. They charge you for inactivity. They charge you for stop payments. There's a monthly fee. They charge you for additional cards. So, and, and there are, they are purposefully, um, presented and advertised to black and brown communities and communities that, um, that fall below a certain earning power. And so that's why I say they're the malt liquor of, um, of financial products and services. And so there are certain, I've had people who I've worked with before that have brought things like that to me. And I'm like, what did I tell you about this? You know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why in, 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 there are certain instances where I specifically ask for, I want a black attorney, a black woman attorney. I'm really glad you said that because Mm -hmm. my first tip would be do not be shy about telling people you are looking for referrals, but you're really trying to find an inclusive, um, as inclusive, be inclusive, as inclusive as you can and find Mm -hmm. diverse recruits. And you need to tell people that because, you know, people may not even think before they refer you to this, you know, the three people they have top of their mind who may all look the same or come from the same college or have the same you know, socioeconomic background. But if you tell them, hey, we're really looking to diversify recruit candidate, do you know any good candidates and keep that in mind as you're thinking of people, they may think about someone they don't interact with day to day um, and pitch that to you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with going into recruiting and being open about it. It's not shameful. It's not illegal. Um, to, it's, 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 it's better for your business in general um, if you're just upfront about it, in my opinion. And I think the the more people you have involved in the process, the better. So, and for didn't example, you say before you can go to like colleges, like historically black universities and, and colleges, and, and reach mm-hmm. out to like that platform there? Yeah, a lot of times, um, it, you know, it depends on how big the company is, but uh, college recruiting is really important to many companies. It's a key it's a key way that they fill the pipeline. You get people young, and you get them motivated, and they stay with the company for a long time. And they often will recruit on college campuses. And if you're not getting a diverse, you know, pool of candidates from the colleges you're recruiting from, you know, ask yourself why, you know, talk to the people at the campus, because of course that campus wants their graduates to be known as great uh, job applicants. And they want to, you know, satisfy the businesses that often pay money to come recruit on their campus, right? So tell them what you're looking for. Say, we will come to your job fair, but we want to be sure that, you know, we're seeing a diverse group of students. And if they can't deliver on that, then maybe it's, you know, going to um, HBCU colleges or colleges that have a higher representation of minorities, um, just being really intentional about it. And I would say, you know, especially I've worked at all types of places. And often when you're doing your, when you have recruiting going on, it's, it's your, you know, you have a need, especially at a small company, you feel like you don't have enough time to do like in-depth recruiting. You just need someone who's talented, who can do the job quickly so that they can fill that gap. Or you may not even have a huge recruiting team to help you. And it ends up falling on one person to do the recruiting. And I, and I think that's why. Um, you proliferate these, you know, these this lack of diversity in different um, in, in different offices is because the group of people who are doing the recruiting is very very small. And I think if you, especially for senior level positions, um, higher, you know, people coming in at a higher title, higher pay, 
which is often where the cliff kind of drops off for black and brown employees at companies. Maybe we're down in the first entry-level position, but the higher you get, the wider it gets. Being really intentional with those senior positions and saying, listen, we're going to have a hiring committee. It's going to be three people. They're going to be diverse, and we're going to be the checks and balances for the whole thing and make sure that we are getting a diverse pool. So that's my advice. Be intentional. Tell people you are actively recruiting. You want to be inclusive. You want diverse candidates. Go find them wherever they may be for your profession. There's tons of professional organizations. Yes. Um, that uh, associations that are for uh, black and brown uh, professionals. So mm-hmm. they literally like, call them that. They'll have like um, black um, accounting association, black mm-hmm. lawyers of New Jersey. So that's a, an amazing place because there was one company that you know they came to me and they were like, oh, you know, because they wanted me to work with them, but they didn't have any black employees or any brown employees or any anybody except for white men for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm just not interested in being that black band-aid. And they were like, no, no, I assure you our next person would be black. But they said it in a way as if they were doing black people a favor. I'm like, ma'am, do you know black people actually go to college? They're actually really smart um, black folks who could make this organization better. Like, and I, you know, it was clear that like, no, look for qualified applicants, but widen your scope. If you only ever throw your net where there are salmon, you're only going to catch salmon. And then you're going to say salmon are the best fish. No, there's a whole wide open ocean. Cast your net wider. You will find other amazing fish that are equally um, as talented as salmon. Okay. So like, yeah, that's, that's really it. It's like, because no one's asking for a favor. I don't think people get that when you have a diverse range of ideas and thoughts and and um, just people mm-hmm. bringing something different to the table, it actually makes your business better. I don't think, like, I don't get, like, with racism, everyone loses, you know? Like, you just do. I had to tell the other business, like, yo, I told the other brand, I'm like, yo, we're eight figures a year. Our small little business filled with the Black women that you're not looking to hire. Like, bruh, these women could be working for you, too. You could have an amazing company. I mean, I don't know how big their company is, but, and I'm just like, so you think that like you cutting people out is harming them. Your mm-hmm. business doesn't grow as much. This is why you have to try to come to me to run affiliate links for you because you don't know how to speak to this audience. Maybe you'd know if you actually hired people that look like me, you know, maybe you'd know you wouldn't have to make this faux pas with your fake black box talking about blackout Tuesday, but literally means nothing, you know? So it's just... That part is frustrating, like, please, like, go out and, you know, it doesn't, like, find qualified applicants. Like, you know, there are, I can, I I appreciate this question because people really wanted to know, but there are folks who quite honestly don't care and think that they're doing something by blocking people out. But the truth is there's a tide changing and more and more people are learning to find wealth and to make money outside of traditional systems. There are four women on my team who just had their first six-figure month. Meanwhile, they work for me. I'm not, I'm not paying them six figures a month. And they're not necessarily making six figures a month, but they have their side hustles and they've made six figures. And meanwhile, they still work with me. And I asked, you know, are you sure you still want to work here? They're like, no, I love working here. I love, I work here for the mission. I love working here for the other women. I love working for you, Tiffany. And so 
But I'm sharing that to say that you keep thinking you're holding people back from making money, not you, the woman who's, you know, obviously wrote this in, but like folks who like, you know, try to keep these jobs to yourself, keep it. Shoot, there are people out here making seven figures a year off their own ingenuity. It's your loss. That's the same talent that could literally be in your business right now who are killing it. I know at least 10 women right now that 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 have, since the beginning of this pandemic, have made six figures in the last month, if not two months. Like, just think about how much amazing talent you've pushed out because of um, of racism. And think how much amazing talent you'll be able to tap if you start hiring and looking outside, you know, traditional um, traditional sources to find that to find that talent. But mm-hmm. thank you, Kristen, for your question. Thank you for being open to it. I hope people. I hope you're not the only one at the board on the board that you sit on that thinks this is very important. And I hope that other people hold you accountable in the best way for bringing yeah. those diverse applicants. Um, I love it. And, and thank you for for listening to the show. Again, you can email us your questions at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Insta. We are at brownambitionpodcast. All right. Boost and break time. Yes. Boosty break, you see, Rick. Boosty break. Are you going to boost, Mandy, or are you going to break? I'm going to do a quick boost because homeboy is downstairs and needs to go to bed, and I'm occupying his <laughs> bedroom right now. <laughs> I'm occupying the nursery. <laughs> my boost is going to be for Peloton. I finally got my Peloton. Ooh. I got it on Wednesday. I was not ready to ride until Saturday. I just had to get in the right headspace, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. things were really insane at work because I'm taking this week off and everything. But I am so far a huge fan and people have asked me like, is it worth it? I mean, it's only been a week, not even a week yet. But for me, I don't know if you guys used to know this or you know this, but I used to be a pretty avid biker, like a bicyclist. I remember. I had a bike blog. I used to do 100 mile bike tours. I was real, real into biking. Okay. And that was because I was too poor to afford, 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 too poor to avoid afford a monthly subway ticket way back when I first moved to New York. And so I got like a $50 bike on Craigslist and used to bike my little butt around. And it was actually great for my wallet and my waistline. But, you know. Yes, I remember. Baby Mandra. So it really, (laughs) and so I thought if I'm going to get back to exercising, I don't live very close to a gym. Even if I did, I would not be going because, you know, COVID. Um, So for me, it became even more financially uh, you know, it made even more financial sense once I found, once I realized I'm probably working from home the rest of the year, I need to be physically active. And I will tell you just the first 20 minute little beginner rides that they have, have been really fun. And I've gone really slow. I'm not going to create like crazy goals. I usually do for myself where I'm like, I'm going to do 50 miles in a day and I'm going to lose like 50 pounds in a month. I'm just going to take it easy. Um, I don't want to get burnt out and I'm really, yeah, I'm super happy with it. And, you know, whether it's Peloton or, you know, there's a lot of free ways you can work out at home too. And my mood, my mood is definitely better. Definitely better Good. now that I'm moving a little bit more and not just walking around my, you know, my neighborhood. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick boosty boost too. I'm going to do a boost to um, Black Girls Lead. So I'm sure y'all have heard of Black Girls Rock. It is this amazing award show that was started by DJ Beverly Bond. She's awesome. And uh, Beverly was like, why is there not a word show to honor Black women who are doing dope things? And so she started one. And it's just grown to be huge. And the last few years, it's been taped in Newark. And I've had an opportunity to go, I mean, like, 
Tracy Ellis Ross has been the um, host, Queen Latifah. It's just an amazing, like um, Michelle Obama has come to speak at Black Girls Rock. And so they have this summer camp called Black Girls Lead. And so every year um, since the inception, I think this is year four, um, that I've I've done the financial um, component for, for Black Girls Lead. And typically they do it at Columbia University in the city and the, the girls come in and like literally they fly in from all over and they get, I guess they, they stay on campus and it's just a whole experience for them. But obviously COVID said not this year, mm-hmm. although the devil is a liar because they're still having Black Girls Lead summer camp, but instead it's going to be virtual. And let me tell you, the women, the women, Mandy. So I'm speaking, but who am I? You know who's speaking? <laughs> Michelle Obama. You know her? Mm-hmm. You know who else? Misty Copeland. Oh, yes. The principal dancer um, and for the American um, Ballet Theater and an author, the first black woman to do so. Mm-hmm. You know who else? Tamika D. Mowry. You might have seen her. She's an activist and organizer. She's one of the leading activists right now with our um, with this civil unrest, and she's just amazing. Also, Unique Jones Gibson. She's a friend of mine who... Um, she's the one who started Because of Them We Can. I don't know if you know, remember a few years ago. Oh, that's my favorite just, Instagram. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's, yeah. So she's amazing. Also, oh, Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. Boom. Get I your feel like I should have been doing boom after each name this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Ka- Kamala Harris. Oh, she's speaking. Mm-hmm. Oh, Estelle. Okay. Hey, boo. Um, Elaine Welteroff. You might have seen her on TV. She's a New York Times bestselling author, a producer, I mean, just amazing. Like, that's not even, that's just literally just a few of the women that are speaking. So just to be counted in their number, I'm not going to lie, is a big deal. I mean, just, what's yeah, you talking it about? just feels. What's your segment? What's what? your, what's your, um, are you doing the keynote oh. or are you doing a core? Like, I don't even know what it's like. Are you doing a class? Oh, so Black Girl, so. Yes, it's a class. So there, there are a series of. So usually they do have like a keynote, which I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, obviously Michelle Obama is clearly going to do that. Um, but everybody else does kind of like back when it was at Columbia, we would do breakout classes where we would have like all the girls. And um, so I used to do like all these different types of segments. But this time, my my class that I taught today, I actually pre-recorded it today for the girls. Is um, I called it how to be um, how to be a millionaire. Because I wanted to lift up the veil that you, young black woman, because it's like ages, I think, like, I'm going to say 13 to like maybe like 18 or something like that, that you, young black woman, that that's outside of your reach because that's just not true. Oh, I love that it's for that. I didn't realize it was the same, like, young uh, audience as Black Girls Rock is. That's beautiful. And it's all about Mm -hmm. kind of like inspiring a generation of leaders, not just. Yes, exactly. So teaching them all these things that they might not otherwise have access to. And so, yeah, I taught um, a class today of like, how do you become a millionaire? Like, what does that actually look like? You know, what is investing? How do you start that? Should I start a business? Like, you know, that these things are within your reach. And and honestly, I mean, I miss the energy of the girls because it would just be so awesome because afterwards they'd be so excited and giving you hugs and like we would take all these pictures together. So I miss that. Um, but I'm glad that Black Girls Lead is still happening because Black Girls Rock is about honoring Black women. But Black Girls Lead is to make sure that these young women grow into those Black women that we later honor. So it just it just was an honor and um, and a blessing. And, and that's my, my brown, my extra Black 
brown boost. Well, if we have anyone who's listening and has a uh, like a teenager that they, or what about Supergirl? I mean, she'll be in timeout or restriction, whatever you call it these days. But, <laughs> but I'm going to let her like, no, she's going to do that. That's the one thing her behind is doing. Can you, no, can, you, can... <laughs> can you register still or is it closed? Yes. You know, you can still register. You can go to blackgirlsrock.com. You could try because I mean, every year they do it. So I'm certain that you there might be a waiting list as well. But yeah, you can go to blackgirlsrock.com and see if there's any spaces left and try your best to register. And um, yeah, like I said, it's just awesome. Like what Beverly has been able to do in creating Black Girls Rock and Black Girls Lead. It's just, it's an amazing thing to witness and to be a part of. Oh, I love it. And speaking of Supergirl, your picture just came through finally. I mean, I don't feel the, I don't feel any malicious intent in the, in the, I'm trying to look at it like a child psychologist would. I mean, the colors (laughs) are very nice. I mean, she took great care and was very neat with her writing, but I do feel the dude. I do feel yes. like, mm, it's that like. Do not. That's <laughs> do not, not. I was like, oh, she outlined it in red several times. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I love it. I mean, I yeah. don't love it, but this will be funny. I'm glad you took a picture of it because you can just drag her for this 10 years from now, too. I know. Like, remember this? <laughs> and that if you need, I couldn't believe she underlined need and contact me or my mom. Con- please contact. I was like. <laughs> She's too grown. Like, how does she know this language? And first of all, maybe I'm home. Like, this is what this girl wrote and put on her door and left. I was like, Bye, Tiffany. Oh. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Left you a message. What? Bye. Can't hear you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even say goodbye. I actually looked. I was like, Supergirl? Supergirl? Teenagers. I was like, where'd she go? I had to call her father. She's like, she didn't tell you because that's our, that's our thing. We always try to remind her. Like, don't just leave. You know, let Tiffany know that you're going. Even if it's a text. Because I don't want, you know, God forbid the house cast is on fire. I don't want to run in looking for you and you're not there. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think it was, like, malicious in that, like, oh, I hate you. But definitely it was, like, don't go in my room. Mm-hmm. It was definitely that. And I was like, mm, okay. So, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you the update to see, like, what, um, I'm sure she won't be back for a little while because she's never really heard me get stern. So, I'm sure right now she is... I'm I'm everything but her bestie right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> Supergirl, okay. I know she she loves you deep down, but maybe she maybe she needed that conversation, needed that talk. Yeah, she did. Because I never, like I said, I like she's gotten over for a long time, so I'm sure she loves me deep, 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 deep. We we don't there. Oh, Supergirl. I remember when we celebrated so, yeah. her turning double digits. I know a whole decade, and now look, writing notes, talking about where adults can't go. Keep an eye on that one. Okay. All right. Well, thank y'all for another week, another show, and we'll see y'all next week. See you. I'm gonna go try to be on vacation now. I think I remember how to do that. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.